Hey, this is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Well, hello, everybody. Good evening. And damn, the studio's crowded again. What the fuck, guys? Jeez. We're going to need to get a bigger studio. I think we do. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Once again, we have with us our friends, Paul Letko and Mark Schilling. If you have not listened to last week's show and or don't know these fellas, stop right now. Go listen to last week's episode. I am not fucking repeating myself again and going through all their backstory again. But really, go listen. I'm going to give you a chance right now. Press pause. Okay, you're back. So now you know what's going on. Now you know who these guys are. Have you poured yourself a dram? I'm not going to give you more time to do that. Hopefully you're on your phone, your mobile, walk to your fucking bar, pour your whiskey, and let's do this. Matthew. Okay. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> I am here. Um, so this is the part of the show, as always, where we go around and we discuss what we are drinking, uh, what we have in our glass. As you guys know, if you had just done what Sailor said and listened to last week's episode, you know I was not drinking whiskey. I am back to drinking whiskey now. Yay! Um, but Ooh. I'll get to that. Let's go around uh, and do this right. Who wants to go first? Ed, you go first. Oh, fine. I'll go. We'll switch it up. Well, last week, um, Mark was talking about the American Craft Spirits Association, and he happened to mention uh, a guy named Dan Garrison. So I believe, if if I'm not mistaken, is he uh, one of the uh, founders of, or the founder of Garrison Brothers Distilling? He in is. Texas. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it just Wait, happens. Wait, should I sing my song that... again? Yes. <laughs> 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 I just so happens that I, I may have mentioned this before, but over Christmas, my daughter, who is in the uh, the restaurant um, industry, she manages a restaurant downtown Chicago. Uh, she got me a very special bottle, which was um, hand selected for their um, restaurant. And it was from uh, Garrison Brothers. And this was the first time I had had um, that particular brand. And the first thing that hit me was that this is the only other whiskey I've ever had, any bourbon I've ever had, that tastes similar to the Northern Illinois Whiskey Acres whiskey. There's something about those two. I mean, Whiskey Acres was one of the most unique bourbons I'd ever tasted that just had a certain flavor profile. Uh, but Garrison Brothers, I tasted that, and it's the almost a dead ringer. Is there, are there mash bills similar? No, the, well, Whiskey Acres is a weeded mash bill, which is the funny thing. So it must be something in the corn is the only thing I can figure out. So, but anyway, I am enjoying my uh, Garrison Brothers bourbon very much. All right, Mark, what are you drinking? Well, so I actually, believe it or not, I have two glasses open right now. <laughs> I love it. Uh, And um, one of them is only partly whiskey. And I want to give a shout out because um, the absolute most favorite thing that I discovered last year, 2019, is um, something that is kind of a a fortuitous accident. Buddy of mine in Louisville by the name of Turner Wathen was... uh, uh, working on this this rum project and 
they accidentally dumped some rum into a tank with some rye whiskey um, and thought that they had ruined their entire business. And it turns out that this um, this combination of rum and, and rye whiskey that they screwed up is a really, really cool thing. Mm. It's called Fortuitous Union, and they only they, they, they only put out, I think, about 1,400 bottles of it. If you can find some, it's really cool. It's five-year MGP rye whiskey blended accidentally with, um, I think it's 12-year-old Trinidadian rum. And it oh, is re- wow. it's really, really cool. Yeah, very cool. That, so, you know what? I also makes... have a little bit of few bourbon on the side. <laughs> What makes me so excited about that is one of my favorite cocktail pairings years ago was I would take the the craft distillery I was talking about that I worked at um, in Southwest Ohio is a historic distillery. One of the coolest fucking stories in American history for distillery. It's just absolutely awesome. I would take their rye and it is a true Ohio rye and I would mix it. I would make a cocktail with I would use Venezuelan rum and i would put a little iced tea in it and i'd make like a manhattan version with it and it was an award-winning cocktail i won several competitions with it and so i started like matt i told you rum i'm just like meh Mm -hmm. but i would when i was making these cocktails all the time i was still bartending and i would put a little rum and rye whiskey together and i just thought it was such it's depending on the rum it has to be really killer rum was such a great combination so i love that i had no idea anybody actually bottled that that's something i would totally bottle i love it again it wasn't <laughs> on purpose and it kind of worked out and, Happy accident. Um, <laughs> he tells me they've tried to recreate it again in the second time and it hasn't worked oh, out way, so sucks. i think this mm. one this one batch that came out is all that will happen keep trying if you can find it find it just because they need to just get a hold of a master blender to help them out <laughs> boom sure. There you go, Paul. <laughs> so, in in uh, in honor of the topic tonight and what we're going to be talking about shortly, with a little bit of foreshadowing, I guess, uh, we'll, I'm going into the uh, Few Spirits uh, Allison Chains collaboration. Oh. Uh, Few Spirits Bourbon finished mm-hmm. with or finished in a tequila barrel, 101 proof. Uh, it's heavy metal in a bottle. Yeah. So, a question for you about that. Um, Tell me how that process worked. Were they involved in the process or anyone as a representative of the band? Or was it a more of like a signature ode to the band? A little bit of both. I mean, they were certainly involved. We went back and forth on what we wanted to do. But, you know, honestly, the concept of uh, bourbon whiskey finished in a tequila barrel was a pretty easy sell. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, how about if we did that? And they're like... Yeah, how about if he did that? That'd be pretty cool. Because, <laughs> um, fuck it, it's fucking heavy metal. Um, yeah. <laughs> we went back and forth a few times on the naming and on the labels. And we, did, you know, we went back and forth a few times on other stuff. But the base concept was a pretty easy, uh, yeah, that sounds fucking awesome kind of deal. Did they taste through it before you bottled it or did they rely on you? Uh, you never know. I sent it out to them, but uh, whether they got to it, I don't know. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't tell them how to write music because, frankly, they do a lot better than I would. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think ideally they're going to let me make the whiskey because you know, I might make the whiskey better than they do. But uh, they're they're a little better musicians than I am, so it's okay. 
I just love hearing about how involved or not involved bands are in these processes because sometimes you find they're heavily involved and it's surprising and shocking because I I think the assumption is always like, yeah, they were like, cool, let's put our name on that. Um, and, and then you find out how involved they were or in the case of Iron Maiden, it's a whole other entity altogether, <laughs> um, which is kind of mind blowing. But also when you're a fucking commercial pilot and a physicist, I don't know what the fuck he's like. I don't <laughs> he's a everything, master I don't just know. Uh, brewer too, isn't brewer. he? Brewer. Right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like he didn't just go like, yeah, let's put Iron Maiden on a can of beer. It's like, I'll fucking be a master brewer. Done. I'll be a commercial pilot. Cool. I'll be a physicist. Yeah, no problem. I'm Bruce Dickinson. Fuck yeah. <laughs> If you're gonna die, die with your boots on, though. Hell yeah. Um, for me, I am drinking a little bit of blackened because, mm. of course. Well, yeah. I'll, I'm just gonna hold back. By the way, uh, the one behind me um, in my background is our wedding bottle whiskey, and that one we're not allowed to touch. We can only drink a dram on each of our wedding anniversaries. So, uh, that is also. Um, a Dave Pickerel bottle of blackened, so a little bit more special to me. Yeah. It happened to be a, I have a, I had a soft spot for that chubby fella. <laughs> so, so we've talked about what we're drinking, and before I forget Matt, like I did with Ed last week, <laughs> we're gonna let Matt <laughs> take the whiskey and segue into our discussion tonight. Sounds good, Sailor. So uh, to our guests here, we have a lot of running motifs on this show. A lot of things we go back to as kind of inside jokes. So one of those um, is every time I'm pouring a whiskey or doing a whiskey segment that involves a scotch that is not from the mainland, from the islands, these two kind of put me through the ringer as like because they don't like the style are you drinking your smurf whiskey again i'm not <laughs> actually you would really enjoy this one sailor i actually thought of you when i bought this bottle uh okay but yeah but i'm drinking um and i'm gonna do my best to pronounce this because i don't say it, scottish I, I don't say it the same way twice uh but uh bunahaven uh i believe bunahaven. It's, yeah bunahaven yeah. uh and the whiskey is called Stu Radur, if I can try and do the Gaelic. Uh, but this is no age statement. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. I'm a huge fan of what they do. And it's not, I guess, what your normal person or normal whiskey drinker would consider something from Isle. Uh, Petey, Smoky, you know, all of those seaside characteristics. That Band 80. That style. All right. Pine Band Folly. Dude. Yeah. All that Let's stuff that you me. guys say, yes. <laughs> um, but this is very well balanced. Uh, smoke is kind of a supporting character. It's not that gut punch that you get sometimes from that style. And it's, uh, you know, got a lot of dried fruit on it. Some citrus notes. Very fantastic stuff, Sailor. And I think that you would actually love this stuff. And that's why I picked this one specific because of what you did, of what you guys were saying to me last time when I had, uh, what was it, Jura or whatever on a few weeks back yeah so, so the funny I'm... thing is that i um had a booth at uh whiskey extravaganza last fall or who the fuck knows when in seattle and it was 97 percent scotch 
there was like five of us there that were American whiskey. And I thought, well, fuck, either we're going to totally tank tonight or everybody's going to be desperate to have a break from the smoked and overpeated whiskey, in my opinion. Many and E's so, were saved that night. Many, many E's were saved that night. I happened to be the only one also to bring a water bottle and a, a spray bottle to rinse out the one glass they were given, <laughs> which I thought was so stupid because you're drinking like the peediest shit ever. And people will be like, please, can you rinse my glass? So I ended up getting everyone to my table just because I was rinsing their glass for them. But I tried the damn Boonahaben because you had talked about it before. And um, yeah, not too band-aidy, I gotta say. Not mm-hmm. too wet, wet, musty, sake. So, yeah, I like it. Good. Welcome. All right, let's talk about dead guys. <laughs> okay, so here we go. What you've all been waiting for with bated breath. I know that you haven't slept in a week. You've been checking your podcast feed every 15 seconds for seven fucking days. And you've been waiting to find out exactly who in the hell are we going to choose to line up our dead guy band? Here's the criteria. They have to be dead. That's it. No triangle players, no trombone players, no saxophone players, no guitar or glockenspiel (laughs) players. If you listen to our previous episodes with Neil Peart. Well, have, so, you seen that, uh, uh, have you seen that guy that invented a trombone that blows fire out? Because that no. would be fucking badass. Is that the guy from Lost Boys? No, I don't know. <laughs> I, saw it on fa- I saw it on Facebook, and that's the me- most metal brass that's I've ever pretty seen. Fucking metal. <laughs> so, okay. I mentioned this before, but I did play the trombone in the sixth and seventh grade. And, so, you play okay. an instrument? <laughs> yeah, and if, if I had known you could blow fire out of it, <laughs> I would have stayed with it. <laughs> Don't you get to wear those like cool pork pie hats if you play the brass yeah. instruments? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's All right, legally so required. I, th- it, I think it is legally required, and your shoes or clothing have to have checkers of some sort on yeah. them. And we just showed our age. Anyway, moving <laughs> along. So, okay, we're all going to set up who our ultimate band is, and we're going to give the why. Who wants to start this? I mean, Paul, we I kind of feel like I should put you first because this was your damn idea. Yeah. Sure, I'll go. All right. Um, I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna build it from the uh from the you know the quote bottom on up. Um we're gonna start on the on the drums. I think the uh, obvious choice, especially these days, is gonna be Peart. Uh so I'm gonna go and say bottom. Um nobody hit <laughs> nobody could hit the drums like that. Um Maybe he's not the uh, uh, he's not Neil Peart. They're totally different, obviously. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Bonham. Uh, coming in the bass, I'm also gonna go out of a uh, maybe it's a little bit more left field. We'll go with uh, Jaco Pistorius. Uh, oh, not even a metal wow. guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into jazz for this one. Um, but really, kind of rewrote what uh, the bass can do in a. Uh, in an ensemble setting, outside of jazz, moving jazz out of bebop and moving into the more free jazz. Um, nobody could play like that. Um, on the guitar side, uh, partially I think it might depend a little bit on how many guitars you get to play with. Are we having a double guitar attack or a single guitar attack? 
Um, we didn't make any with, rules on that. I'm going to I'm going to go with double, and I'm going to go uh, with actually two lead guitar players, and I'm going to go Hendrix and Randy Rhodes. Whoa. Um, and then uh, coming up on top for the vocals, another really tough. I think the vocals are a really tough one. Um, I am going to go with Dio, but I think there's another really strong answer in uh, Kurt Cobain. What? Um, okay. Yes. Hold on. We got to we got to have some controversy here. Wow, mission accomplished. Uh, yeah. Back up. Let's back. Yeah. Okay. This just became a two-hour show. <laughs> All right. Hold, okay. Wait, wait. Hold on. Okay. Let's do fight this. Me. I'm gonna. We're we're gonna fight. Hang on for the fight. You go from Dio First, to let's Cobain. be scientific. Okay. Your drummer. <laughs> your drummer was Bonham. Yep. Okay. I'm gonna write down every or type out Bonham. Okay. Your your guitars were Hendrix. And Rhodes. And Rhodes. Okay. Your bass. Pastorius. Jocko. Jocko. And your <laughs> your vocalist. Uh, Dio. Dio. Dio number one. Dio number one, but if I can go, uh, Cobain's up there too. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Good. Okay. All right. So you've got Bonham, Hendrickson, Rose on guitars, Jocko on bass, and Dio as your vocalist. All right, Mark. All right, so this was hard. This was harder than I thought it would be. Um, and I thought originally that we were limited to four. And then I think you just said that we really don't have any rules. So I had sort of a For the guitars. We can do rhythm and lead. That's fair. Okay, good, because I, I was thinking about it more in terms, well, you'll you'll see when I get there. And I'll start with drums. Okay. And I knew that Paul was going to go with Peart, so I went with Bonham. Well, he, <laughs> <laughs> he fucked you up, huh? <laughs> I, only because he went first. Okay. So, and, and this is going to, this might come off a little bit weird, but... I did this in a way that um, there's a lot of opportunity for moving around in here. And so I don't want to pigeonhole any one of these guys into any one particular thing necessarily. Hmm. But Bon Scott is my lead on vocals. Okay. And Stevie Ray Vaughan obviously, oh. obviously is my lead guitar. Wow. Okay. For bass... I don't know how you could go anywhere else with that, with this, simply because he can do everything else that you might need to be done, whether it's vocals or keyboards or writing or whatever it is, prints. Oh, damn. Wow. I had that a hard time with that like, one, I too. I put him anywhere. Yeah. Space is where he belongs. Yep. So we got Bon Scott, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Prince, and John Bonham. And do you want to choose a rhythm guitarist? Well, have... what I want to do, yes, yeah, kind, kind what I want to do is I want to include Rick Okasik as both a songwriter, a vocalist, and a little bit of a guitarist because he can do a little bit of everything, but he was a brilliant fucking musician that gets overlooked all the time. I would agree with that, especially with his songwriting abilities. In okay. fact, say for those of you who might care, 
the best Cars album ever produced was the last one that came out in, what was it, 2011? The one that nobody knows about. If you haven't I'm looking it up right Cars now. Album. I'm trying to, so 2011, 2011 was, we need to have like a Google pause button on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so 2010, they came out with. Oh, 2010. Then, was it what? 10 original? Yeah, yeah original. Um, and then, so they had, they have so many compilations like going through. No, no, this was a, a new album, completely new. There's, it's so hard when you have bands like this because they have so many fucking compilations. I could name you most of the songs on it, but I, off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly what the name of the album was. All right, we'll circle back to it. I will do some research. We'll let Matt go next while I'm researching okay. the name of this album. Okay. <clears throat> well, I said off air last week that this was relatively easy for me. I kind of had reference back to when we did the uh, Metal Rock and Whiskey Supergroup, and we had done that, you know, f- set of four shows, and you know, three three of those four guys had been deceased. So I was like, it can't be that easy. So I did do some more thinking, but it really wasn't that hard for me to put this together. Um, so let me get started. So not just sonically for me, but visually as well. Uh, I was just thinking visual with this band also. I wanted something dangerous. I wanted something kind of unpredictable, um, which are two attributes that I really love uh, with all of these musicians. So I'm going to start from the back like you guys did. Uh, So on drums, I have Keith Moon. Um, Hmm. Again, unpredictable. Very much a wild card. Pretty much, I would say... Maybe him and Ginger Baker, the guys that started that whole double bass kind of revolution. Um, and the guy has a very eclectic background as far as what influenced him. Jazz, R&B, American surf rock, Elvis. I mean, the guy listened to everything growing up. Um, but again, that unpredictability and that just wild manness of him, I just love that. On bass, of course, I have the one and only Cliff Burton. On bass, the guy was... He was a teacher. He was a student, a student all the way up until he died, always trying to perfect his craft. Grew up on classical music. The only thing that outweighed his talent was his immense breadth of knowledge about music, about music theory. Master of the instrument. Um, and like Moon was a real true beast whenever you watched him perform. So mm-hmm. that lends to the visual of what I was going for. Lead guitar. I went with Randy Rhodes also. <laughs> sort of a I wouldn't say he's as crazy as Cliff Burton at least visually but certainly a mirror image of him as far as the classical background the constant you know perfecting of his craft he comes from a family of musicians his siblings were musicians his parents taught music theory um, very much a perfectionist and a maestro of the instrument uh, so Rhodes is my lead guitar player. And then for my rhythm guitar slash lead vocals, I went with Chris Cornell. So, yes. So, I mean, we all know about Chris Cornell, the four octave vocal range, very underrated guitar player. I think that compared to Rhodes, he's a little bit more primal in the way he approaches the instrument, which I think is a great contrast to what Randy Rhodes brings. Um, 
you know, he grew up playing the piano, uh, Beatles influence, Little Richard. So very eclectic backgrounds with these guys. But I think they all bring that sort of unpredictable sort of sexiness that I like to see in a band. And uh, it would be crazy, but I think that uh, seeing these four guys on stage would be fucking amazing. Just who's amazing. Your, who's your vocalist? Cornell. So he's... Rhythm slash, slash gotcha. Vocal. Okay. Yes. Those just, are my, that's my band. Making sure I'm clear. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right, Ed. Okay. Well, in compiling my list, I had a pretty extensive list, and I tried to approach it by who I think would play well together in the certain style that I wanted. Um, and consequently, I ended up with two bands. <laughs> um, I ended up with a rock band. And you can I ended only up have metal, one band. Metal band. Then choose so one. Nope, one. Choose band. one. Can be I, only one. Exactly. I, I, I'm flipping back and forth trying to decide which one I want to reveal here. One, two, three, All go. Right. I'll reveal That's my it. metal band. Okay. Okay. And like I said, this <laughs> criteria, I. Neil Peart didn't make the cut for my metal band. I wanted to include, he made the cut for my rock band, but not my metal band. Uh, so I'll start in the same order. Vinnie Paul on drums for mm-hmm. my metal band. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got the, the energy, um, the playing style, I think, would fit well with the rest of these guys. Um, and of course, we all know uh, Cliff Burton can do metal. Um, so I got Cliff Burton on the bass to uh, play playing along with Vinny there. And um, on my rhythm guitar, i tell you what, this was almost a sentimental choice as much as it is uh, intellectual choice. Um, Def Leppard was my gateway to uh, hard rock and, and metal. So I put Steve Clark uh, as my rhythm guitarist in there. Um, and of course for lead guitar, like I'm gonna join join in the uh, the bandwagon here with Randy Rhodes, and um, as my lead guitarist, what can I say that we over- haven't already said about Randy Rhodes? Um, legendary guitarist, such a talent. It's it would have been amazing to see what he would have done 20 years from after he passed. Um, so wait, Steve Clark's your lead, and Randy's your no. Steve Clark's my rhythm, and Randy Rhodes is my lead. Gotcha. Okay. Makes more sense. All right. And now um, on vocals, Matt, I agree with you. Chris Cornell, I would not want, I could not think of anyone uh, to head up these guys um, more appropriately than Chris Cornell, I think, out of uh, all our deceased vocalists. He's got the range. He's got the attitude. He's got the power. Uh, Yeah, this is my uh, dream deceased metal band. Interesting choices, my friends. All right, well, Sailor, you're up. All very all different. Right. I like it. Very, very different, but I can see a lot of similarities in here. Um, so I didn't go with people like Prince and Bowie, even though I wanted to in the, initially, because for me, they are entities of their own. I can't imagine them being considered a band or in a band or playing a role that is anything but my called prince my band is called bowie it's not called something or else i am the entity so very good that's the only reason i didn't 
put them in. So drummer, I chose Neil Peart. And I didn't just choose him because he died. And I'm going to explain why after I tell you the rest of the band, because he is the cohesive force in my band. So for lead vocalist, I chose Chris Cornell. And I chose him because he can sing anything, literally anything. He's a great front man. And you have to be an excellent front man for me to be a lead vocalist. He's also a fantastic lyricist and an incredible musician and producer. He can play, he could play any instrument and produced what was just amazing at production. On bass, I have Cliff Burton and I chose him because of his classical background, his strong music theory, and because of the way he changed the sound of Metallica. And I mean twice. So when he changed the sound of the band and then after he passed away and he was no longer with the band. For me, Burton was the best ingredient that Metallica ever had. And I'm sure the guys in the band would agree wholeheartedly with this. For lead guitar, I chose Randy Rhodes and that's unrealized potential. I chose him because I think about things like being in the business. I think about things like his role playing with Ozzy Osbourne at the time that he was with Ozzy. I think about the type of things that he had to bring to the music as a young guy, as the new guy, but his sheer talent. And again, the classical background, him and Cliff together, I think them separate, I wouldn't have chosen them, but them together, I think with the similar backgrounds, the musical sensibilities they both had and their love for hard, fast music, but they brought a groove to it. I think the two of them together would have been unfucking believable. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So my, for my rhythm and backing vocals, I went in a r- super different direction. I chose Jeff Buckley. Ooh. Wow. And okay. I chose Jeff Buckley for his musicianship and his voice on backing vocals with Chris Cornell, his natural talent on the guitar. And then what a writing force. Imagine Cornell and Jeff Buckley writing together, the music and the lyrics together. And then, like I said before, I chose my drummer to be the glue, the tie that binds, the cohesive force to be a base for all of these four men who had such individual talents would be Neil Peart. So between him and Jeff and Chris, the band would have had the best fucking lyrics ever in the history of the world. Very His percussion true. talent would have been the most incredible foundation and the best beats you could have asked for in a hard rock and metal band and the best complement to talents like these four guys that I mentioned. So that's why I chose them. Nice. Right. Well thought out. So... That's now, a band I'd go see in concert. Well, we're going to have to put it to a vote, though. We're going to have to ask the listeners to vote mm. on whose deceased band Ooh. is truly mm-hmm. the ultimate band. Wow. So what we'll do is whoever wins, and we'll have this as an ongoing contest, we'll do a two-week run. Matt, you're in charge of these things. We'll give everybody time to listen. And whoever, whoever's band, Paul's band, Mark's band, Matt's band, or Ed's band wins, the person who solicits the most votes 
and is the most active on the socials will get a special gift. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. It's a gift. There will is be it a, a ticket to see the band? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Guess what? You get die, motherfucker. <laughs> I gotta die, say, every single one of these bands sounds pretty fucking awesome. Oh my god, they sound amazing. <laughs> but I can't imagine that any band mentioned or not mentioned could possibly be any band that has Stevie Ray Vaughan as a part of it. Oh, I mean, I'll tell you what, Stevie Ray Vaughan was one of my top, but I couldn't fit him into any of my... He was awesome, uh, but I think my band would beat him. He was my favorite guitarist. I'm really surprised nobody picked picked Freddie as a lead vocalist, but I guess... He was the lead vocalist of my rock band. The reason why was the same reason for Prince and Bowie Bowie for me. Yeah, he's his own thing. It's like... He, Queen was, you know, that Stevie Ray Vaughan frets, Stevie Ray Vaughan pickups, Stevie Ray Vaughan Stratocaster. Oh man, nice! Wow, strung with thirteens. He didn't choose Stevie Ray Vaughan, Mm -hmm. but I didn't choose it. Sad. I'm just saying. (laughs) What a damn shame! (laughs) It's a strong choice, but he's a blues guitar player, not heavy metal. For the Stevie Ray Vaughan band. So okay, metal. I'm going to give everybody one quick last effort to defend your band. So I'm going to go around the room and ask everybody to say why their band truly is the ultimate deceased band. All right, Paul, we'll start with you since you went first. We're going to start off with the greatest drummer of all time in the the name of John Bonham, uh, fronted by the greatest heavy metal singer in Dio. You get Jimi Hendrix and Randy Rhodes on guitar, and you've got a truly genre-bending genius in Jaco Pastorius. Uh, Cliff is a really strong choice for bass player, but uh, he never really had a chance to really develop. That's um, true. And That's so I had, him as, I had him as my number two, um, but I went a little bit on the wild side with the jazz guy to, to shake it up a little bit. And so mine is very clearly the best. <laughs> okay, Mark. <laughs> Simple and straightforward. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. And my <laughs> band is how you're going to get there. <laughs> I love it. Ain't no fun waiting around to be a millionaire, Shirley. <laughs> I'm still waiting. All right, Matt. I mean, just visualize it. Just visualize Keith Moon losing his shit behind the kit. <laughs> Cliff Burton with the big red fucking mop headbanging. Okay, Randy Rhodes ripping through an amazing fucking solo. Chris Cornell at the peak of his highest octave just blowing out a fucking chorus all at the same time. Just visualize it. Take two minutes to visualize it. You're welcome. Okay, Ed. <laughs> all right. Well, how can I follow up those? Um, I'm not much of a <laughs> salesman, can. to be honest with you here. All I, can, all I can sell is what I made. I mean, Vinnie Paul on drums, he's proved himself with Pantera. Cliff Burton, he's a beast. Steve Clark with the Def Leppard. I mean, come on, unrealized potential there. Um, Randy Rhodes, unrealized potential. Chris Cornell, his vocals speak for himself. Done and done. (laughs) Okay. And for me, 
Well, you have to vote for me because I'm Sailor <laughs> and I'm the boss. Bullshit. Vote for me or die. <laughs> no, but really, I have the best writing team on the fucking planet. And that's all I have to say. Mic drop. Boom. Pick drop. Drumstick drop. Whichever one. Thanks for the help, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that is our. Those are our band choices. And. They're pretty fucking amazing. Go vote. I do want to say that um, I think the cool thing about this challenge, and I appreciate that the idea from Paul very much, um, is that we get to look back on these people kind of in the, they're, they're kind of frozen in time as to when they passed away. And some of them have unrealized potential that we can only imagine what they would have sounded like. And some of them, You know, I would say like Neil Peart probably got to meet his potential. I think he had felt like he was done anyway. Physically, his body couldn't take it anymore. Um, He's probably the only one, maybe Stevie Ray Vaughan, um, maybe Prince as well. I think they're probably the only ones that really got to meet their full potential. So the moral of the story is, like we say about whiskey, drink it now. Don't collect it. Don't hold on to it fucking drink it play music get out there bang your head play it fucking loud as the great but not late paul letko said (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's it that's the end of our show thanks so much you guys guys. all right thank you for being here we appreciate it we really appreciate your time at least half of you in Portland. I will see you guys in Portland. And I will see you, Paul, in New York. And we we'll are going to... We have to throw up the metal horns uh, for the cameras when we're in New York City because we'll probably be the only ones doing that. Probably. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. All right. Thanks, again. Thank you all. Thanks, guys. Okay. Let's close it up. That was awesome. Two great fucking guys right there. Uh, very, 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 very important um, what they have to offer. Um, the knowledge base and just their experiences in the industry. Fantastic stuff. Um, but thanks for sticking around, guys, for the last couple of weeks listening to these episodes. It was a lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as we did. And as always, of course, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter metal rock whiskey and we also have a super cool facebook group we hope you ask to join we post some really cool stuff in there as well under spirit of rock podcast network follow us individually as well you can find me at the whiskey obsessor that is whiskey save the e sailor sorry i'm taking a drink of whiskey (laughs) you can find me a sailor retro everywhere ed they can always find me on instagram at bourbon geek And hey, listeners, if you love our show, or even just like us, please hit that subscribe button, give us a review, it really does matter, and um, more importantly, join us again, where we will be back next week with another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. And don't forget to vote, you guys. Check our Instagram stories and our Instagram feed to vote for your favorite deceased band that we revealed tonight. And also we will be looking for your photos and your tags when you visit your favorite local craft distilleries. 
And the only thing left to say is, fuck you, Lars. Later, everyone. Bye-bye.